0: Well, hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we're here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, we left off last time talking about this idea of being salt, of the salt of the earth and, and that part and parcel of, of sort of being a follower of Jesus is that you share the gospel with the world around you like that. That that is just sort of essential it comes with. It's sort of baked into the whole thing. But that the big challenge for us as American Christians especially is to, is to do that in a naturally relational way because we are actually not naturally relational people. We were talking about, you know, knocking on doors and how no one does that anymore, how it used to be like man, you get all kinds of people that would come up to your door, whether it's Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or traveling salespeople or, you know, people coming up to share their faith, right? That would actually happen. That was a thing back in the day. Then everybody put no solicitation on their doors and they actually live in communities where, you know, in order to get in, you have to go through like a guard and like all that kind of stuff. So they're not bothered. Everybody now has central air conditioning. So they don't even like see their neighbors. They just drive into their garage, close it behind them, go into their house. Like we, we have really isolated ourselves one from another. I remember, Years and years ago, when my oldest was probably three or four years old, we're living down in Alabama. We had just moved into this new neighborhood and bought this house. And she's like four or five years old, maybe right, and loves the Lord and wants to tell everybody about Jesus. I mean, that's one thing about my oldest; she just is passionate about whatever it is. She's passionate. I mean, mm-hmm. she's going to let everybody know what she thinks and what she believes and all that stuff, which I just love about her. I admire her so much for that. So she's five, six years old. She is loves Jesus with all her heart. So she like literally starts going around our new neighborhood, knocking on doors and inviting people to church. Hmm. It's one of our favorite stories of her. And in fact we get we 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 didn't realize she was out of the house. I mean so right. that kind of tells you like how, how engaged as parents we were like she's like our five year olds like wandering around the neighborhood. It wasn't a very big neighborhood, but still, right? I mean and and finally someone like brings her back to the door and is like, hey, like so uh, you know, th- this is your daughter, right? Like, I know you guys are new to the area. She's like walking around, knocking on doors, inviting everybody to church. And We just think it's beautiful and we think it's precious because living down south, everybody, yeah. everybody at least will tell you they go to church down there, right? And they, so they all love that. But, but it was, uh, it was just. But again, it was, it was clearly such an oddity mm-hmm. that someone would knock on their door and start talking. About Jesus, so that's one extreme, right? Right. In my family, the other extreme is I'm talking to my mom the other day, and I guess some Jehovah's Witnesses came up to her door, right? So she's inside with two of her granddaughters, right, who are like in middle school now, and the two the two gals, the two Jehovah's Witnesses come up to her door, and they ring the doorbell and they knock on the door, and the dogs are barking, and you know this, that, and the other, and mom kind of peeks out and sees who they are. And the granddaughters are like going to open the door. And she's like, no, 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 hide, no, hide, right. hide, hide. And, and, and they literally get this. They literally sat, stood at, at the door for 10 minutes, no way. like knocking and, you know, occasionally ringing the doorbell to see if anybody's home. They, they knew someone was home. Oh, right. Yeah. And my mom, my mom literally is like hiding in her house. That's awesome. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, why didn't you just open the door and say, Hey, no, thanks. Yeah. You know, like what? That's <laughs> what so is great. the deal? And so anyway, that just shows you sort of two extremes, just even in my own family of like how we handle these kinds of things. We just really struggle to be relationally engaged. And so it's very hard for us to be the salt of the earth. Or as Jesus will go on to say here in this passage, he says, you are the light of the world. Mm-hmm. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. And it's this idea that again, by your very nature you are light. By your very nature, you are salt. And so you you actually give something to the world around you. But in order to give something to the world around you, you have to be engaged with the world around you and be engaged with the people around you. So reflect on that for a minute. Yeah, I think there's both passages taken together,
1: verse 13 and 14 of Matthew 5. There's such a, like you said, that it should be a part of your nature. Mm-hmm. If you Claim Christ as your savior, you should want to share that with others right. in, in right. a the salt sense. And you should be naturally a light. Right. When he talks about a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, again, you think of Jesus is talking to people in the first century. They right. don't have incandescent light bulbs. Correct. Yeah. They right. don't have That's right. That's right. any any sort of electricity. So their light was fire. Right. In the form of Candles in the form of fires, in the form of you know right. torch bearing all that right. sort of thing, so a city to function into the evening would need to light things and in the i mean there 's no street lights right there 's no car lights right. Right. it is very obvious to see where there 's a city I mean, I think of those pictures like from space, oh yeah, when totally. you see like the yeah. the you know the globe, the earth at night, and you go mm-hmm. oh there 's New York City right so there 's this right. massive light, right. or there 's the Luxor in Las Vegas because there's right. massive light You, you can 't you can't hide, you don't, you can't, it's not feasible to go around and tell everybody to extinguish their flames in the first century right. because there's a threat outside or something to go, right. yep, no, you can't. Right. And so the, I love that with this passage that Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, if the spirit of God lives within you, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible to hide it. Correct. Right. Legitimately, right. like you cannot hide this because you should be marked by this joy. You should be set apart. You should be yep. different. So when he says, he goes on to say, people don't light a candle and mm-hmm. then hide it under a basket. Like that makes right. no sense. And right. it, it, it echoes this, yeah, if salt loses its saltiness. Right. Like right. what good, it, why would you light mm-hmm. a candle and then cover it with something that's basically going to put it out? That's not the purpose of lighting something. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to give light. So when I think of our own lives, when we become Christians, we become mm-hmm. these Christ followers, your purpose is to affect yeah. the darkness around you. I think... Right. I think of all the illustrations that you, you get growing up when you have a yep. dark room and a light hallway and you open the door of the room. It's not like the darkness spills in the hallway. Correct. Yeah. Right. The light spills into the room and the light is the overpowering force. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, there's this, you are called, we talked last time about human flourishing. Yeah. You are called to push back darkness. Yeah. That's what you're to do with the life that you've been given. And you do that by engaging in community, that's like right. we said last that's time. Right. And yet that's such a difficult thing for us, particularly with people who aren't like us.
0: Yeah. No, that that last part is especially true. Yeah. For those who are not like us, it's, it's uh, man, it's a whole nother level. But even for people who are like us, it's it can be super challenging. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, darkness doesn't really have a quality of its own. Darkness right. is simply the absence of light, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you, the, the, yeah, darkness doesn't spill into the hallway when... You open a dark room right. into a light hallway. No light spills into the dark room because darkness doesn't have a quality of its mm. own; it doesn't have a substance of its own, right? Yeah, it is simply the absence of light in the world. So when you think about that again, think about this image that Jesus is using, right? It's it's this understanding that the world, the world's natural state is one of spiritual darkness, mm. and and again, it's it's it that spiritual darkness. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be. Concerned about it on some level, we don't have to. Be. I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't evil in this world. There is. I mean, we all we all understand that. I'm just talking about this sort of contrast between light and darkness. Like the world's natural state is one of darkness, and and he sends us out into the world, and and and, and, and by definition, everywhere we go, that darkness recedes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't push back against us. Right. It doesn't have that power. It doesn't have it doesn't have that quality unless unless we sort of give it that on some level. We, I think we ascribe to darkness far more power than it actually has. Interesting. And maybe that's why we are so afraid to sort of let our light shine or whatever it might be, right? I mean, again, we're, we're sort of pressing this, this uh, analogy that Jesus is using pretty far here. Right. But I mean, but I think, I think, again, it holds on some level, right? And, and it's this idea that, yeah, like once you come to faith, you are now, a, a, a lamp has been lit in your family, in your neighborhood, in your home, in your school, in your workplace, whatever wherever you go, a lamp has been lit mm-hmm. and no bushel or no basket is going to cover you. Like I mean, you are just gonna go and you're gonna you're you're going to be the light. That's just that's just it. That's just what yeah what you do. And so you illumine people's understanding of God by the way that you live, and that's why the way that we live is so critically important. But even beyond that, like it's not this is not just Jesus telling us to be good moral ethical people and that will make your light shine. Right. No, again, yeah. it's sort of again fundamental to who we are as believers in Jesus Christ, we just naturally become the light. We naturally yeah. become the salt and we become this thing that the world so desperately needs. Like I mean, if you go to places like Alaska for instance. We we have a mutual friend who's mm-hmm. from Alaska, right? Yeah. I mean, like Alaska is in darkness for significant portions of the year. Yeah. And people that I know that have lived in Alaska will tell you, like, it impacts them. Mm -hmm. Like, they can turn on lights in their house. It is not the same. Right. And, And there's seasonal affective disorders and all kinds of depression that happens as a result of that because they don't have access to the light of the sun. Similarly, I think, in our communities, when people don't have access to the light, when they don't have a Christian in their life living that life before them, like all of those kinds of things, then then, then, then it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise us when, when these, when these negative effects, right, begin to really impact them. Yeah. And, and because again, if you don't have the presence of the light in your life, boy, it, it's, it's a challenging deal. And of course they've, they've done all kinds of studies, like, you know, people that whether live in caves or they live in, I mean, they live in dark places and just what it does to the human body, what it does to the human psyche, what it does to the human soul. I mean, it's a killer. Right. Ask people yeah. in Seattle, <laughs> right?
1: I mean, <laughs> right. Sin- sin- sincerely, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Do you think there's an implication in verse 14 or in verse 15 when he says, "Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, yeah. but, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the mm-hmm. house"? Do you think that he's saying here when when this candle is lit in your in your mm-hmm. life that others? Mm-hmm. He goes. Like others will attempt to snuff it out, or do you think it's our own fear sort of of mm-hmm. of shining that he's talking yeah. about in terms of nobody lights a candle and then and then covers it? yeah, do you think people impose their own sort of cover around their light, or do you think that that uh, he's saying other people will attempt to do mm-hmm. that, but you know you you stand strong kind of thing
0: well, I think he's addressing the disciples here in this mm-hmm. in this passage, and so I don't think that he's he's necessarily saying other people are going to come around try and snuff it out or something like that. I think he's struck to the disciples and so he says, you know, again, as, as a disciple you you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. That's the first image. Cannot be hidden why? Because it's on a hill. It's it's that's how they built their cities back right. then. It was for natural defense and all kinds of stuff, right? It's on a hill. Everybody can see it. Doesn't matter where they are, they can usually see these cities from miles and miles away, you know, whatever it might be. So that's the first image you use. And the second image, again, he he's he's again using this analogy and he's saying like when when you light a lamp no one puts it under a basket and so i don't know if they didn't have little lampshades back then or or what the deal right. was right but i mean no no one puts it no one puts it under wraps yeah and so i think he's talking to the disciples there saying don't, so don't put your light under wraps instead stick it on a stand which is a really interesting move right because he's he's talking about right. much like the city on the hill he's talking about not don't just be a city yeah no, like be a city on a hill, right? There were other cities that, that were built like on the plain, sure. not on the hill, right? That people couldn't see as easily or what have mm-hmm. you. But no, city on a hill can't be hidden. Yeah. You know, here I'm, I was in Israel last summer. I'm thinking of cities like Megiddo and some of these places that are literally built on top of these hills, on top of trade routes. Right. So people for miles and miles and miles, like you said earlier, they could see these cities even at night Yeah. because of the torches and the fires and all of those kinds of things like they literally can't be hidden. Mm-hmm. Now there could be a city on the other side of that mountain in the valley below that you can't see. But you're gonna see the city that's on the hill, right? In the same way, you're gonna see the lamp that's sitting on the lampstand because literally by elevating yourself, or not not pridefully, but elevating, you know, your faith, elevating Christ in your life, elevating your you know, whatever your profile making, is. Making it known that you're a Christian. Making it known that you're a Christian. You are you are putting your light on a stand mm-hmm. so that everybody can see. So maybe that is, you know, just practically speaking for like our listeners, that might be how you engage on social media. That might be how you engage at work. I was talking to a guy this morning and, and he was talking to me about how like he works for a company that, you know, is pretty progressive at the end of the day, pretty woke. That's how the term he used, right? At the end of the day. And they want to force him to change all of his email signatures oh. to reflect the ideology of the company. Right. So now he's wrestling because he doesn't want to be known by those things. He doesn't... He, that, that's not stuff that he would agree with. Right. So he's wrestling with like, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. Sounds like we need to go get a beer and talk that out. Like, pray about that. Like, think about that. Like, there's a lot of different directions you can go with it. Right. You know? And he's, of course, a Christian. So... And this is a, a strong believer who. Is a light in his company and is very well known in his company for being a Christian, and he has influenced many in his company for Christ, as well as he's been extremely successful. I mean, Mm -hmm. they love him, right? Because he's very, very good at what he does. But he's wrestling, yeah. You know, like what what does it mean for me to be the light of the world in this particular company at this particular time in history, when when it's being when so much of what we're doing is being driven by a particular ideology that I don't I don't agree with. I actually think is. Is Antichrist on right. some level and really, really fascinating conversation,
1: I think it's interesting that the the goal of being light is for others, yes, like right He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your mm-hmm. good works and give glory to your Father, mm-hmm. who is in heaven and when I think of when I think of when the electricity's gone out or something you light yeah. a you light a candle, and at first, everybody stares at the candle right the first everybody goes, "Whoa, right." It's a candle and it's giving... But then you kind of look around the room as your eyes adjust and the purpose of lighting a candle when it's dark isn't to stare Mm -hmm. at the candle. Right. The purpose is to be able to see and engage with others and to to do something else. That's right. And so this idea of illuminating the darkness that's around you, I think is so fascinating so that Mm -hmm. others see your good works and don't praise you for your good works. It's not like, wow. Doug Wrestler. Mm-hmm. That guy's got it all together. You know, if right. I have any problems, I'm gonna to go to Doug Wrestler. Right. Why? Right. Because it's Doug Wrestler. That's right. The idea is Doug seems to have wrestled with this. Yeah. I'm gonna go talk to him so that I can defeat this thing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And in and in doing so, they're able to function uh yeah. on this on this planet in ways that that are a reflection of them seeing the light yeah. in each yeah. of us. And I think that's in a day and age where the goal seems to be focus on self yep, right, that's right. and get as many that's right. followers, likes, that's right. anything that's that you right. can. The idea, I, I just love that there's the humility part of the salt and the humility part of the light that again, these multifaceted teachings of Jesus, like, yeah, yeah go, go flavor and preserve as salt and nobody compliments the salt and yeah. go be a light. And nobody's actually like, Whoa, right. look at the size of that wick. Right. You know, or look at the quality of that, <laughs> that wax.
0: Right, right. You
1: know, nobody's complimenting the candle. Right. I mean, totally. unless you're a Bath and Body Works kind of guy, but I right. mean, yeah. <laughs> if you're a vanilla center. Is there center. such a
0: thing as a Bath and Body Works kind of guy? Oh, I think it's that's kind, a, of a, that's kind of a gal. <laughs> Maybe <so>. Yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> but... People use the yeah. light for something else. And I just think oh, that's yeah. such a good reminder that Jesus is teaching, be a light, but not for your own edification.
0: Right, you know, it, it, uh, I think that's exactly right. And I think that other-centeredness that is part and parcel of this is what you're pointing to there, this idea that we don't focus on ourselves, we focus on those around us, which does call into question, you know, I, like I think about the number of pastors that I know uh, or ministry leaders that I know and of course in today's world like part of how you build a quote unquote ministry is you have to build your platform right you have to build your profile and so you you by definition on some level in a social media world have to make it about you huh in order to build your profile and become an influencer and like all of these things i i th- i think if i'm if i'm trying to like hold back my cynicism here okay okay it, it, you thinking, well so far. Thinking the best of people in those positions, right? They're trying to build their profile up so that people will take them seriously what they have to say, right? And and then they're hoping that they'll be able to present the gospel, and, and because people will take seriously what they have to say because they're an influencer because of this, that, and the other, that that will then change the person's life. I, I, assuming the best, right? That's, right. I think, what they're doing. But, of course, the line is so fuzzy between promoting yourself and promoting the gospel, yeah, you know? And, and, and I I just have to tell you, like, I've just, again, maybe it's because I'm so like, not that. That's just not how I roll at all. And that's not the pump me up or pump my tires. That's not, I don't really care about any of that. And now I don't have to do any of that either. Like I'm, I'm fully recognized. Like I don't, I don't have to, like, that's not, I'm not dependent on that for my living. I'm not dependent on that for my livelihood or any of those kinds of things. And some people, that is what they depend on. Like they must have a social media, maybe their publisher requires them to have X number of thousands of followers on Twitter or something like that. Like all of that is wrapped up together anymore in marketing and in self promotion and all these different things. And you think about how counter that runs to right. what we're talking about here. And yet, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, this scandal just broke this last week about all these top level Christian pastors who basically share each other's pulpits and pay each other these exorbitant speaking fees
1: no way. tens of
0: thousands of dollars. And all they do is just go back and forth to each other's churches. So they're a
1: professional Christian.
0: <laughs> well, that's the question. Like, what's really going on here? Right. Like, like when you bring out this person from this particular mega church in California or Australia or wherever it might be, and you bring them to your church in Texas somewhere, and you pay them a thirty thousand dollars speaking fee. Wow. And you do it knowing that they're going to invite you back to their church and give you a thirty thousand dollars speaking fee. Right. And you're going to fly first class and you're going to be put in first class. I mean, all of this stuff broke this week on, on Twitter about oh, how all man. of these pastors and all of these speakers, many of whom, if we mentioned their names, they'd be well known, everybody would know them. They're all sort of, they do this. And when they write books, they all endorse each other's books. Oh, right. Little like comments on and, the back. And, yeah. and, and so because they, but they don't read each other's books, they just endorse them. <laughs> no, I mean, all this stuff like broke loose. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, like, like this is such a, a, this is such a scandal because it's so antithetical to what Jesus is talking about here.
1: Right. The absurdity of complimenting Correct. the candle. Right. The, the absurdity Right, of just,
0: That's what they're like, doing. That's what I'm laughing at and that's what they're doing. Like they're not only complimenting like their own candle, they're like complimenting each other's candles. Like yeah. they are saying like, hey man, like your wick <laughs> that is, is amazing. amazing." <laughs> like does that come in taupe? Yeah. Because I think I want a taupe wick. <laughs> you know, or I mean, I mean, you're just like... What are we even talking about here? But it's become an industry. Like I mean, it, now this gospel thing that is supposed to like give light to the world, give salt to the earth, yeah. has actually become an industry that is making people hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars. And it's and it's and it's sort of built upon this foundation of a, 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 a select few. Sort of reaping the benefit of a system like that. Right. Because they have promoted themselves to a certain level that once you enter that world, it sort of becomes self sustaining, mm-hmm. self replicating. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you never write another book again. If you get one book and you get into that club, then there you go. This is what happens. And I mean, it, and it's one of the reasons why, of course, I think the world looks at all that kind of stuff and just goes, this whole Christian thing is nonsense.
1: Right. There's a, uh, a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. Yeah. And it's about this idea of the separation of heaven and hell and great read. And in...
0: By the way, I'm kind of bitter that I'm not in that club, you know, because I, I, I kind of I would like the first <laughs> right, class tickets. The first class. Let's just be honest. right? I'm, a little, I'm a little jealous. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. What, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, great Divorce. In, Sorry. In didn't the, mean to derail In you. the last
1: chapters, it's like in, in chapters 11 and 12, um, the narrator of the book, who's presumably the voice of C.S. Lewis, is talking with his his guide, his teacher, who happens to be George McDonald, mm.
0: and there's not screw tape.
1: There's no not screw tape, different am I book. Am I mixing but there's books, this mixing
0: my metaphors. There's this
1: parade mm-hmm. of people. So he's the whole book's about all these these ghosts who come from this gray town who are engaging with these spirits who are in this sort of antechamber of heaven. And each chapter's a different conversation between these um, various pairings. But in chapter I think I think it's eleven there's this parade all of a sudden and there's the forest bursts out in song and the animals are singing and there's all these sort of young children's spirits and they're radiant and glowing. And there's a woman at the end of the procession mm. and the, the narrator has this like, Oh my gosh. And C.S. Lewis writes it where he says, is it, is it, is it, could that be? And the, the is there as the reader, you're supposed to assume like, Oh, it's Mary, mm-hmm. something like that. Right. And his teacher, George McDonald cuts him off and he goes, yeah, no, you've, you've never heard of this woman. Right. And he goes, what are you talking about? And he gives this common name. Her right. name's like Jane Smith or something right. like that. And the, the, uh, narrator's going, Well, how come she has this giant right. parade? Like right. I haven't seen any of the others. And he goes, well, she loved everyone. Yeah. He has he's his great lines of like the children felt like she was like another mother. Wow. Husbands of wives who en- encountered her actually left wanting to love their wives more. Wow. She just points everybody to God. so she has this magnificent parade in yeah, heaven. Yeah. And the whole the whole play is that she's the most common person. You wouldn't even. Yeah. He says you wouldn't even give her a second look on earth. Like nobody's ever heard of her. Basically. And that's what I think Jesus is getting at here is like, man, we're all, we all have this capability of Mm -hmm. being lights. And I, I've watched my wife do this with our neighbors. Like, I'm terrible about engaging my neighbors. I think, man, if I, if I bring up the awkward, like, Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? I can be like, you never get to borrow my tools again. Right. Right. So Sarah has this way of, I mean, inevitably people Mm -hmm. in our neighbors, families have died and so they've come over, like one one of our neighbors came over and just kind of very kindly said, there, there might be a few more cars in the cul-de-sac, just want to let you know this is what happened. Without missing a beat, my wife's like, well, well can we pray for you? You know, just, in, in, and yeah. I've never heard anybody wow. refuse right. my wife's prayer. No one's ever, actually, no, no, right. I'm
0: good. Well, they would refuse your prayers. They might your Sarah's. prayers, my, I mean, you know, Sarah is if amazing. If I had said so. this, they would have been like, know, yeah, I'm yeah, good, Robbie. I'm good, Robbie, but, <laughs> actually. Don't need it.
1: But yeah. it's just, that's what being light is, I think is, is being ready to, Mm. to engage. Cause people know if you're living this life, when he says people see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven, there should be, your neighbors should know that you are a little different, that you have this faith that, and maybe they think it's weird. Maybe they think it's admirable. Maybe they think they're in the same club as you, but you're like a super Christian or something like that because you go to church, whatever it is in those moments of grief, sorrow, pain, uncertainty, anxiety, et cetera, if they come to you, I think there's a, an element of this of, yeah, they're looking for light here and, and be ready at that. So I, I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, I think that's exactly right. And I think, uh, as, as people think about for their own lives, like again, what, what is it that we do? I think what your, your example there of the woman that no one's heard of, right? I mean, I think that's the key. The key is, is don't, don't feel like this is something you have to try so dang hard to do. Yeah, just be yourself. Be the person that God has called you to be. Let let Christ shape your interactions and with with others around you. Love them the way that Christ loves them. Try to look at them the way that Christ looks at them. And if, and if you if you if you do that sort of faithfully and well, and you're just your heart is to serve. Then guess what? You're gonna be a lot. You're not. Yep. You know, like it's not something that we have to strive for as much as right. just sort of like take a deep breath. Then it is weird. It is weird when you're you striving. Strive, I yeah. think so. I think it is. I mean, when I teach evangelism in, at Denver Seminary, which is one of the classes that I teach. You know, one really? of the things that yeah, one of the things I taught. I ta- tell the students right off the top is I said, look, number one rule: don't be weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> a
1: great rule. Honestly, just yeah. don't be weird. Like, yeah. don't be that guy or don't be that gal. Don't otherwise. don't
0: be awkward. Don't be weird. Just be yourself. Be the person that God has called you to be and, and, and do it as naturally as, as that. Yeah. And, and if you do that, you will be light. Mm -hmm. You will be salt. It's when we strive or we work so dang hard, or we're pushing an agenda of some kind or something like that. We're trying to get like notches on our belt when it comes to, you know, evangelism or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's when it gets weird. That's when it gets awkward because people can feel the agenda and that's what they resist. They're not resisting you as a person. They're resisting the agenda that you're bringing. So just let the agenda go and just love them, you know, the way Jesus loves them. I, I got to tell you, like, I, I'm fully convinced that, you know, when I get to heaven, right, I'm utterly convinced that uh, I'm going to watch as, you know, these church planters that are like the poorest of the poor that I help train and equip mm-hmm. over in Africa as they come like walking into heaven's gates with like, yeah, like the massive parade, the party, no one will know their name, none of that kind of stuff. And I'm just going to be like, I'm gonna be the guy they call like when their toilet gets stopped up in heaven. Right, right. And they're gonna be like, yeah, call wrestler. He's awesome at that. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty convinced that's gonna be my job. I'm actually cool with that. Yeah, you know, because on some level, I just recognize that there are so many men and women around the world who are just they're just they're just lights and they're just that's just who they are and they're making a massive impact by the way that they love others and serve others and that's really what it's all about and that's what I try and endeavor to live my life. Uh, after, I know you do as well. And so, um, yeah, great, great conversation, Robbie. Thanks as always to our brother Jake, who's, uh, you know, the guy behind the glass, uh, putting this whole thing together, and Billy, who's producing these podcasts week after week after week. Please keep listening as we dive in deeper to what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love to have your comments, love to have your reviews um, on whatever platform you choose to listen to the podcast, and we ask that you stay tuned and stay subscribed as we uh, release more episodes in the weeks ahead. We'll talk to you next time.